Hey there folks, Alex Lux here. And before we begin today's episode, I'd like to read a listener letter. We received this letter on Instagram, and since we get so few listener letters, I really think that it's super special and they deserve to be read on the air. So this is from Jessica or at Only You Film Journal on Instagram. Hey guys, I've been listening for a while, catching up on many old episodes. This is my favorite podcast to listen to on my walks and lately all day long. I grew up in the northern Midwest USA and share your accent, so it often feels like I'm listening to people from home and have a chat and it eases the homesickness I sometimes feel. I spend much of my I spent much of my childhood tinkering with my dad in his garage listening learning how to take things apart and put them back together sometimes his friends would stop by and talk about whatever home improvement gear they were into lately and some sort of swamp rock it was the ambience it was the ambient music as my hometown is on the shore of the mississippi river the title of your podcast immediately appealed to me ccr was the greatest band of all times though i'm probably the same age of most of you oftentimes when i listen it feels like i'm back home in my dad's garage with his buddies stopped over to shoot the shit in the mid 90s i worked as an assistant to the photography studio owned by a man named Chuck. The basement was full of so much incredible gear and I weep to think of where it all might be now. Chuck has long since passed, but when John Meadows talks, I put his voice to the memory I have of Chuck. Be in the get-off-my-lawn phase of his life, but I'd gladly trespass if it meant a chance at convincing him to pass on all his knowledge to me. I left film photography right around the time most people did, but it was right after I had taken my first college darkroom class and would have started learning advanced film techniques. I really missed out on trying... I really missed out and have been trying desperately to catch up on 20 years worth of knowledge. I've been shooting film quietly for the last 10 years or so and recently decided to put it out there on IG and I greatly appreciate your followership. If you're ever in Germany or thinking of coming out this way, you have a friend here. Thanks for all you do and for all that you put on the airwaves. Jess. And we, like I said, we love getting letters like this. So the easiest way you can get in touch with us is to send us a message on Instagram or through the Facebook page. All right, let's get on with the episode. Hey there, folks. Welcome back to Classic Camera Revival. And today we have the whole gang here, not to talk about cameras, but all those little extra nibbly bits that we always keep carrying around. And of course, the things we carry our cameras around in. Yes, we are going to be accessorizing ourselves with all the bits that we love to carry with whenever we're out shooting. Let's roll that intro. Welcome to the Classic Camera Revival, coming to you from the Greater Toronto Hamilton region of Ontario, Canada. If you don't have gear acquisition syndrome now, you most likely will by the end of the episode. And we're back. So, like I said in the introduction, cameras, lenses, films, they're all great, but there is always something extra that can, you know, make the shooting experience more enjoyable give us that little bit of edge, finally get that look we want to our images. And those are, of course, all the extra accessories that we carry around with. So today we're going to be talking about those things from filters to camera bags, camera straps, light meters, you name it, it will be on this episode. So of course, let's start with something that we were all talking about before we started recording, the things we carry our cameras around in. And I think what really started this off was the fact that I've been looking for a replacement for my 2015 Peak Design Messenger bag. Yes, I backed the original one on Kickstarter, and it is now falling apart, but it has seen a lot of use, and I'm surprised it didn't break earlier. And when it comes to bags, I think it's both Jess 
Chrissy and James, who suggested one brand, Think Tank. So what makes these Think Tank bags so great? So first of all, I'm just going to say it right now. I did not suggest Think Tank because I... That would have been me. <laughs> that would have been Bill. I got to give credit where credit is due because I carry myself in like a mech backpack. So like, I'm not the authority. You're the carry your stuff in. But take you it are, away, y'all. You, you are the poster child for millennialism right there. Listen. We just Polaroid see some Wes Anderson references. We're good. <laughs> And that was a compliment, by the way. It was not a bird. <laughs> well, I kind of have, again, talking about Think Tank, the brand, I have Jess to blame because she has this backlight camera backpack that she uses. And I was looking, like I have a Dakeen camera backpack, and that's a company that their core business is more for skiing and snowboarding, and they don't really do camera, you know, built for camera gears. And also, I have a low pro, but Low Pro is lovely, but over time I have found you know, the little plastic bits on their bags tend to degrade. Think Tank, oh my God, that is an, I, I bought it as for hiking in northern Muskoka and on you know day hikes and stuff to carry camera gear with me. But more recently, um, my girlfriend, like I live in Oakville, my girlfriend lives in the, uh, Joanne lives in Toronto. If I go to her place for the weekend, that Think Tank camera bag not only swallows up a camera and three lenses, film, but also clothing for the weekend. And uh, it gets me across the GTA public transit systems without ease. Now, it's not the only camera bag I like. I also love the Domkey line of canvas cam camera bags. Um, they are built to take, they don't look like they're, all that special, but they have been designed by a former photojournalist and they're designed to take a beating. Like I have one that's like going on 14 years old. It's faded. The strap has only begun to start fraying. <laughs> this bag has been to New York City a couple of times and can fit under most airline seats. The donkey a little bit small, I should say. So, you know, I have a few favorites that I like uh, reaching for, and it really kind of depends on the situation that gets used in. So the um, the think tank bag that I recommended to Bill is actually the uh, mind shift gear backlight. Uh, mine is the 18 liter. Which one did you get, Bill? Did you get the 26? I think I got the 18 liter as well. The 18 liter looking, as well. I wasn't okay. looking for a big bag. Yeah. Uh, I was and looking that's... for something that was a little more... Yeah. Like, like not not small but not too big big either i have yeah. the dakin's a bigger camera backpack and it's designed that can pack both medium format and 35 mil yeah. in it and yeah and like when i was looking for mine um i was looking for something to carry my mamiya rb67 in so that's you know a pretty hefty camera with a lot of different accessories and stuff and that's when i found this one and what i liked most about it actually isn't even just that it fits all of my gear and it's comfortable to hike around in but it's also that it's green <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, most camera bags aren't really fun colors a lot of them are just black or gray and i really wanted something that didn't look specifically like a camera bag and i think that this one actually really fits that bill for ha, i went for green as well so <laughs> right? there. Yeah. yeah you can pick our stuff that we just have to remember to pick the right bag when we green we would up. be my color. it's really nice it's like i'm yeah. i'm even considering getting a second one so that i can keep all of my large format gear in one bag and my rb in the other 
bag. And then I don't need to worry about switching stuff around or reconfiguring or forgetting certain accessories. Cause sometimes Uh there's some things I'd bring for the Mamiya that I might not bring for large format or vice versa. And I don't want to leave anything at home because I'm terrible with (laughs) stuff like that. I, I used to have like more of a checklist to make sure I would have everything, but with the with the the think tank bags, I don't actually really need to think about it as long as it's in the bag. <laughs> well, I can tell you, I um, being an old fart, like um, think tank is not new to me. I have three think tank bags that I probably purchased. I'm going to say 12 to 15 years ago. Not a single one has frayed, has discolored, has faded, has it, they you know look brand new. Um, and I have um, uh, four cats. One of them peed in one of the think tank bags. I just chucked it in the washer and like the, you know, like your home laundry, washed it, hung it to dry for good as new. That's amazing. So they are really, yes. really terrific bags. Um, now, my models have been since upgraded. So don't ask me what they, you know, um, what they are now. But I have I have three of them. I have the the backpack. Uh, which is terrific because back then when I bought it, I had a 17 inch MacBook Pro and that backpack would fit the MacBook Pro in a sleeve, no problem. Um, I could fit um, uh, an SLR body, a 70 to 200 lens and probably three or four other, um, you know, short, medium zooms, you know, uh, uh, you know, a few primes or whatever. I mean, more kit than you'd ever really need to walk around with. But for travel, like if you were, you know, going to go on a, on a photography trip, you know, fantastic. Now, it wasn't really the model I had wasn't really built to put like, you know, other than electronics um, and a few small items um, you really couldn't put uh, uh, any clothing or any personal items in it. But for your gear, fantastic. The other two bags I have are shoulder shoulder bags. Um, I have uh, I think it's, it's called a press six or something. I don't, I don't think they make it anymore, but it's similar to the retrospective, the original retrospective line. It's a rectangular cube bag made primarily for, for press photographers, but, you know, shooting weddings, especially, you know, like when you're walking around and shooting the ceremonies and, and the, um, uh, the reception and stuff, you're not carrying your big full kit, you know, your kit's there, but like when you want to be mobile, um, to just sling that around your, back and like have extra batteries another flash unit different lens backup body whatever other body you want um you know just to reach in and grab that fantastic and like i mean you know when you're out shooting events and weddings like your gear just takes a beating this bag is terrific and and you know just for like sort of everyday walking around photo walks you know family stuff going on a, on a hike or whatever where you know backpack is too much um one i have one of the retrospective ones mine's like a, a bluish denim color had it for years again no discoloration i find the padding and like the ballistic nylon that they use uh for the inner lining is terrific i i wouldn't recommend another bag frankly um i was put on to uh, think tank by a local uh, pro dealer in Mississauga um, called Photo Creative, and he said, like, by far, this is this is the bag. And he he doesn't carry he won't carry any other bag. I mean, he might he might now, but back then, you know, 12, 15 years ago, that's all he would carry. And I mean, they were expensive. Like I'm talking in you know 2000 and whatever it was, six or eight or whatever. You know, that backpack bag was you know 380 dollars. Um, but worth every penny, which is probably, you know, four or $500 in, in today's money. But, um, 
Yeah, I, I if, if you're out for a bag, definitely take a look um, at, think, at Think Tank, I think. Um, you know, and find a bag that suits you, right? Like, you know, some people may not even need a bag, but I always find it's handy to have a bag. You know, you want to carry it. You just want to carry like a snack or something in there, a notebook, you know, pens, take notes, extra rolls of film, whatever, you mm-hmm. know, another lens, like, you know, you're 50 and you're 85, maybe, and a 135 something like that some extra batteries you don't need it doesn't need to be huge but um i find it helpful to have a bag obviously depends on you know how you're shooting and that sort of thing or what you know what your style is but totally worth it yeah my my camera backpack that i've been using for 2012 is still going strong it's um a click elite escape bag and it came to new york city and it's beaten up it's but it's still, everything still works on it. There's few things have broken, but nothing structural. Yeah. And I'm not going to replace it because you can't get that version anymore. Yeah. And that one I can actually carry my full um, four by five in. Yeah. And that's funny. You mentioned that like in my, in my, uh, in my press bag for Think Tank, my, my medium format, it folds up. It's, it's a Linhoff, but I can put a Linhoff in there, um, you know, five or 10, um, uh, film holders and you know one or two lenses in the side pockets uh, and I mean like that's all you really need and then you can of course if, you know strap your tripod underneath the bag it's got straps to do that um, nice. it's not, it wouldn't be the lightest way lightest thing in the world but I mean you know just to have it with you and I mean certainly you're not really concerned about weight if you're shooting large format at least not overly concerned anyway um, yeah great great bags but i mean you know what they're not the only good manufacturer out there locro makes a lot of great bags Domkey does um what's the other one is it bellingham oh bellingham, bellingham. bellingham. yeah they That's make like that really cool top, retro vibe shelf stuff. Yeah. yeah yeah like you're gonna wear your tilly hat and your uh and your um brown photo vest yes your brown photo vest and you're gonna you know <laughs> gonna go do your thing but uh yeah i um I think everyone should invest in a bag, even if you just, you know, like just something to keep your gear in. So it's not sitting on the table or collecting mm-hmm. dust or doing whatever. Obviously, make sure you keep everything dry. Um, mm-hmm. They come with those silica gel packs in them. I don't throw them out. I just leave them in the bag. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Well, they yeah, absorb moisture, good. right? So, you know, you don't yeah. want moisture getting in your bag and that sort of thing. So um, mm-hmm. especially wherever I keep lenses in the bag, that's why I leave those things or I save them or whatever. And you can buy them little pouches on Amazon or AliExpress or whatever too. So they're good, good little things to hang on to. Yeah, I just keep mine in the bag because it's like, yeah, it's already in here. What's the harm taking well, it grab, out? Yeah, grab and go, right? I mean, you never know when the, you know, inspiration will hit. Yeah, we were talking about um, bags that kind of like suit you. The thing is, like, I really like Peak Design. I'm like a big like fangirl about like all the stuff they do because they're very big on sustainability. I think that their styles are very kind of like minimalist in a, in a in a sense. But because of my stature, if I was to get like the messenger bag or the backpack, I just look like I'm like a six-year-old going to school for the first time. So it just, <laughs> as much as I love those bags, it just doesn't suit me in a sense. But I do like those bags and I have their um, their field pouch that I use for just kind of like you said like grab and go so when I do have like um just like the um like a smaller camera I could just kind of shove that in there with like a wallet or a snack so I um I agree with you I have their field pouch and the messenger bag um they're both the 
the you know um, stereotypical uh, gunmetal gray version of the peak design that like everybody has. Um, definitely really sleek styling. I think the the ingenuity, the the design behind it, uh, behind their stuff is really really good. Um, mm. You know, lightweight, great bags. I mean, they're they're you know you get what you pay for, right? I mean, it's photography. Add a, add another zero or two to everything, right? But, <laughs> The one thing I really like from Peak Design is their uh, strap system. With yeah. Yes. Anchors. Yes. Yes. I have about four of their straps and all the cameras I use often has these little anchors so that not every camera needs to always have a strap on it. You can just swap the straps here and there. Some cameras, yeah. basically the strap never leaves it. So my mm. Roloflex and the FE2 basically have the straps always attached. Then I yeah. still have three. Yeah. Three extra ones kicking around that I can... Yeah, if you just ones. if you just put the anchors on them uh, or the clips or whatever whatever they call those little anchors. round things, um, yeah, I think really super cool design. You know, while we're talking about like straps, I I have a sort of I guess a mixed view on straps. I think straps are a great idea, but I think uh, you should choose your strap wisely. Um, I am not personally not a big fan of the neck strap. Um, and I'll tell you, it's a really weird thing. And this comes from, you know, teaching wedding photography and shooting weddings for so many years. Um, I, I really think what kind of separates um, a sort of, I guess, professional or paid photographer for a particular genre of photography versus, you know, someone that's, you know, just out there shooting um, is a lot of the camera angles that they use. Like a lot of times you look at photography work and it's, and it's typically the camera angle is straight on and it's shot from the, from the shooter's eye level. Um, whereas, you know, other more, I guess, stylized photographers, um, I hate to use, I don't want to use the term professional because I don't think that really fits, but somebody that's, you know, focused on that particular genre or wants to be a little bit more creative tends to use different angles, right? Like they're, they're kneeling, they're climbing, they're sitting, you know, they're, they're contorting their body to get just, you know, interesting angles on shots because you can, you know, your camera angle certainly lends to the creativity of how you compose your shot, right? And what I find is when you use the neck strap, it promotes laziness, I guess. Um, and it's just, hey, it's just my one opinion. Don't send emails. Um, uh, they'll be completely ignored um, and you'll just get frustrated and we won't care. Um, so don't, don't send emails, but, um, I find that like, you know, you have it around your neck, like you just bring it up to your eye and you don't really, you know, you kind of just take the same shot from the same perspective over and over again. Whereas if you were to go with say a wrist strap, um, or even mm. if you needed to use like a cross body strap, like an R strap, um, where the camera kind of slides up and down and you have to actually pick it up in, in one hand and kind of, and it frees you up, I find. Um, and I, I like, I like to use the wrist strap because it's in your hand. You're, it, you're kind of like, you have to reach for it or like kind of reach down and sort of get it or bring it up to your eye level. And I, for me anyway, I know it's really weird. It's just something completely cerebral, but you know, you, you pick it up and then you, you kind of get into that action mode and it gets you thinking. Whereas for me, like psychologically, the, when I have the neck strap on, I kind of just want to pick up the camera and bring it to my face, you know, mm. rather than kind of, I've got the camera and I'm kind of looking around, I'm trying to see what's the best angle, you know, where's the light coming from, 
um, you know, that sort of thing. So for me, hey, that might not be for everyone, but that just kind of what goes on between the space and my weird little head. So <laughs> I, I kind of do it both. I, I use the neck straps, but I often cross body, almost carbine Same style. Here. Yes, yeah, so that I can sort of bring it. And again, with those quick release design, I can quickly yeah. get that strap off. Again, running around a wedding, having to charge here and there, ceremony. Yeah, having a little freedom. And again, the peak designs are great. For adjust your length. Sometimes you want tighter up, so especially level finder. Yeah. I was going to say, I really like using a uh, neck strap when I'm shooting with the Rolly because uh, I'm a little bit of a shaky person. So like I, I have a hard time holding cameras in place like when I bring them to my eyes not so bad because it's like it's against my face so you know everything's sharp but I find with TLR sometimes um especially if I'm shooting like 1 30th of a second or something then I really want to make sure I'm solid so I what I do is I'll hold the camera tight against my body but low down as well so it's pulling on the neck strap so that it really solidifies it yes I and I agree with you and I should I should have you know put a caveat to my statement that what I'm saying does not apply to shooting anything waist level. Of course, you know, I'm <laughs> yeah, talking yeah. about eye level, like, you know, shooting a, yeah. a 35 millimeter style of sort of run and gun kind of approach. Right. Mm -hmm. So well, um, when I used to do street photography, I used to actually use a wrist strap mostly because I was scared of someone trying to rip the camera off of me. Oh, really? Um, well, cause you're walking around in the streets. You never know who could be around sometimes when I was shooting my festival project I was it was late at night or whatever you never know who could be around so for me it was always on my around my wrist um because it was just where it was the most solid and also it was the most comfortable a neck strap all day long does get really really tiring even if you shift it to over your shoulder and stuff so when I was oh, shooting yeah. street I would use a wrist strap though for sure mm -hmm. yeah and um, another really handy thing, especially in black and white film, is uh, colored filters. Oh, I, yes. I have what I really like about shooting the Nikon system is that every single, almost every single prime lens takes a mm. um, size filter. So I have a nice range, range of filters on those. And the one I find myself for the most is the yellow. A nice mm -hmm. pale yellow really helps, um, especially with like, uh, hundred mm. can for I've been basically with my frugal film project camera, which is a Nikromat FTN, and I've been running with the 50F2 H lens on it. It just has a yellow filter on it, and I've been getting nothing but deeper images from Campmere 400. I think a lot of people complain it's, oh, it's kind of flat. So I well, throw a yellow filter on, you'll be pleasantly surprised. And all of a sudden it starts to sing and then it's like, well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I think. Go oh, ahead. Go ahead. You go. You go. <laughs> I was just going <laughs> to say that when I was in university, I remember my teacher telling me that uh, I, we should always, when shooting black and white, we should always shoot with a yellow filter on. No matter where you are, to just always have that yellow filter because it will kind of take away, I get, and I don't want to say dullness of film, but like... Uh, like it, it gives just a little extra oomph to it. And it's something that I actually stopped doing. And I think I'm going to have to start picking it back up again because I miss using yeah. my yellow filter a lot. Yeah, it's, it's a good idea because most, most films essentially develop flat, right? And then you can control your contrast, you know, with your development times and chemistry, et cetera. And of course, you know, under and overexposing. But, you know, the yellow number six should pretty much be, I think, the default um, kind of keep it on at all times with, you know, uh, all, you know, typical um, 
you know, panchromatic films. Um, I would, you know, it just, it just makes sense. It just make, make your life a little easier, especially now mm -hmm. where everything's digital. It's a little bit easier to, you can tone contrast down easier than you can you make it a little bit more crunchy without screwing up a lot of things. But, you know, I recommend going with like a, the, the typical, the standard three filter kit, the, you know, the yellow number six, uh, green number 13 and red 25. Um, those are your standard, you know, and, you know, think of it like a spotlight, like, you know, um, yellow is kind of a, you know, a gradual increase in, in, um, uh, or slowing down, I guess. I don't know. Like, I always think of it like yellow, I get kind of the lowest amount of contrast. Green is a little bit more. And then like red is just kind of like in your face sort of thing. Um, but, you know, hey, do whatever works for you. Uh, and keep in mind, what I'd recommend is look at your lens collection and buy the largest uh, diameter filter um, that you have in your collection. Um, for me, I shoot, you know, being a wedding guy for many years, most of my lenses are 77 millimeter lenses. Um, so I have a, a set of 77 millimeter filters and then a whole whack of just cheap, like Amazon, whatever, no name brand, um, step down rings and step up rings. And I buy the rings that are like one piece. I don't stack a whole bunch of rings together. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, like you can buy like a set of step up, step rings that are like the one piece ones. Um, so, you know, you're not, you know, putting like four rings in front of your lens to go from say 55 to 77 or 42 to 77 or whatever. Um, 42 to 77 would be a little bit insane actually, but um, I, yeah, totally recommend just cheap Amazon, AliExpress, whatever for the, um, for the, the step up rings. And, um, I think Tiffin is a great all around brand brand for black and white photography. Like you don't need to go and blow your brains out on Hoya filters or, um, uh, you know, B plus W. Um, and of course, if you're silly, like I was at one point in my life, I have a whole set of Lee graduated filters with the holders and everything. And that cost me a small fortune. Um, but those filters are incredible. So um, those are, um, for those that may not know, these are 100 millimeter by 150 millimeter rectangular filters that sit on a mount that's mounted to your lens. Um, and they, they come in, you know, basically... Um, they're they're um, gradiated uh, neutral density filters, and some of them are colored as well. So, you know, for example, if you're if you're shooting, say, a sunset or a you know a bright morning where the horizon is you know three or four stops um, hotter than say your you know you know the ground or, or foreground is, um, yeah, you're never going to capture that on film effectively. So you would use your uh, graduated neutral density filter and slide it up and down to match your Horizon line. The nice thing about the leaf filters is they rotate really well, um, yeah. and the, the quality is really good. But man, they are bloody expensive. So um, if, if you're an you, accessorize you something similar, don't have that sort of cash. Um, Koken, yes, a similar one. Yeah, and they're a little more affordable. I tried the Koken for a while, and I had a yeah. bunch. I think I lost them. But no, I use Tiffin filters. And the nice thing is that Tiffin actually sells those three filter kits, and they come yes. with a nice carrying case. So yeah. I have a few of those. Um, the one thing you do have to watch out metering externally is that filter factor. Yes. Um, the nice thing is Tiffin actually writes it on plain text on their uh, website. 
So it's so for example, the red 25 has a factor of eight, and that says you need to increase your exposure by three stops to compensate. So you basically um, overexpose your film when you meter it and then develop it. Because again, trying to do all the math and it can be very in the field. It's just nice to have like that goes, okay, red. Yeah, I need to increase by three stops, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, the one thing I find the green filter really Ilford Ortho Plus. Mm-hmm. It does a really good job. Also, I just totally unrelated. I think FOMA just dropped an ortho, ortho film. Yes. Um, oh, cool. Well, put your green filter on, go shoot some uh, nice spring greenery, and those will come out really nice and bright and lightened up yeah. and look really cool. Yeah. And um, speaking of um, and um, external meters, another really handy accessory to... Uh, carry around. Jess, I know you've been working a lot with the uh, Raveni Lab spot meter. Yes, I love that little spot meter. It's amazing. It's so small. And so I also have a tendency to lose things, but it comes with like a handy little neck strap. And it's really awesome because you barely notice it's on you. So I just leave it on around my neck everywhere I go when I'm like hiking around. I use it mostly with a uh, large format or with my Mamiya and my RB67. Um, because you know the all my all my SLRs have meters built in and I guess my Roly doesn't have uh, my meter doesn't work in my Roly um but uh but I love that little spot meter it is just so fantastic it hasn't led me wrong uh I will I do test it or I have tested it up against um I have a really good one that's actually on my cell phone <laughs> but it, it works really really well um and that one I've also tested up against other meters that I've trusted in the past and so the Raveni one just like it just doesn't let me down it's such a great little meter yeah I had the Raveni lab one out with doors open Hamilton and uh, photographing inside um, inside churches and even one that was just super dark inside. It worked just so easily. It definitely, it caught people's yes. attention. That and the Mamiya M645. Yeah. Like, what, that's film? What are you holding? Do they still make film for that? Yeah. Best I was sure. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. I cool. feel like the Raveni light meter, yeah, because I have like the little, like little box one that sits on top of my goose and essentially like lives on it. And the few times I do use... Um, the Polaroid 600, the 600 SE, like it's wonderful. But then uh, I didn't use it for a while, but then I took it for um, just like portrait shots that one of my friends was wanted to do. I said, okay, well, you know, we're inside. Let's try this out. I was like, all right, I forgot this little things here. So with the exception of the first shot, um, all the other ones were just like very beautifully like lit. And because it's the FP100C like film, which is very precious to me, mm-hmm. um, it was a nicely done and i was able just to give them the film i was like here you go i don't have to worry about these like not turning out very cool i do like the little and handheld is actually using it a bit here and there it's actually really fun um it can do both reflective and incident um you have to make sure you're on the right one or really mess stuff up um but yeah it's super accurate and just it has the best screen of all of them hands down very cool i i um I do not use a Raveni light meter only because my light meter still works. Um, but I will say that um, I shoot with a Sekonic L556, um, which is a really nice expensive meter that I got a really good deal on. So, um, uh, but I did go on a photo walk probably uh, three years ago now uh, with Matt, um, Matt from Raveni Labs, back Matt, Matt Bedford. Um, and we compared readings side by side on a variety of scenes and then they were 
just both 100% consistent. So they were either both completely wrong or completely right the exact same way. And I'm going to say right, because, you know, mine works and like I've had nothing, heard nothing but good feedback. And when, when my Sekonic kicks the bucket, I'll be giving Matt a call and be like, hey, send me send me the handheld because that's kind of my my jam but uh um yeah i mean i yeah, like i don't know I, the, some people have hang-ups about light meters and thinking uh, for some strange reason that you know the whole purity argument comes in to effect i'm like i don't get that you know photography is both a science and an art um you know you're calculating quantity of light um and its reactiveness to your film um your eyes and brain were not constructed to make that calculation so use a tool and don't be a tool i suppose um yeah i definitely light meter and and, and it, the light meter helps you learn right because mm -hmm. like it's a visual representation like it takes what you're seeing and then puts it in some kind of quantitative way that you can remember or take notes on so then you know the next time say you don't have your light meter or you have a mixed lighting situation you will know how um, you know, what, or at least have a good idea as to what to expect as the way things will turn out and how to compensate for things like that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny, like we're, the, the accessories we're talking about are more like necessities than they are accessories a lot of the time. But, um, uh, you know, I really think, yeah, definitely. And I would completely recommend, uh, I guess it's, it's Reveni is the right pronunciation or is that right? Reveni, is that how Matt says it? I don't know. I've always called. But well, again, it could, yeah, you could like, be right. I don't know. Nikon, I, yeah. Potato, potato. Yeah. Well, I think if you're in say Japan, potato, potato. <laughs> if you're in Japan, it would be Nikon. Nikon. No? Nikon. Nikon? I had, I had some. Yeah. This is how it's saying. Nikon. Yeah. Which makes sense because Japan is Nippon yeah. in yeah. Japanese, which means Japan is actually Nippon. It's not really Japan. <laughs> actually, I'm also another fan of the Sakonic. Well, light meters, specific, specifically the L398A Selenium. I got two of them. Both deliver consistent performance every time. And I've held, I've owned mine for over 10, both of mine for over 10. Yeah. As long as you, yeah. mm -hmm. well, even like the, the Pentax spot meters are good. The, like the Minolta equivalent oh, yeah. is really good as well too. Like, um, I can't I remember, that. like, Pentax I mean, spot meter, I have a yeah, constant. yeah. Yeah, just treat those selenium cells well and don't leave them, you know, running, burning out in the sun all day. And, you know, I think you're, you should be good. You know, they don't build things the way they used to. Now, I can't believe I'm saying that now. And finally, probably one of the most underrated accessories for film photographers these days for smartphone, because this thing can act as a backup light meter. And what I use for timing all my uh, film developing is a dev chart app. There are other free as well. It's just, it's a wealth of tools. What else? I have um, a reciprocity timer has saved my, and this one was Chrissy's idea. It was a bit of a joke, <laughs> but. Well, who doesn't I mean, have like their phone on them? I was just to say, like, you always have, you almost always have your phone on you. Or at least maybe that's just what I say to justify the fact that I'm massively like addicted to it, to my phone. But like, yeah, for like the longest time, I never had a, like a, a light meter before. And I just literally just, download an app i'm pretty sure it was just called light meter from like yeah. the apple store yeah and i used that for the longest time and it was like it was pretty decent and also just like because like i shoot a lot of polaroid there's like the polaroid app on there as well um if you use a, uh, a printer either the the polaroid lab or any of the fuji printers mm -hmm. that's also just a great resource just to have extra things like or extra prints that you can give to friends 
or give to people. I used to use them at weddings a lot. Just be like, oh yeah, here you go. Have a little memento to remember the day. And so like, it's it's not like a bad thing. And I, I, do, I did say it in jest, but yeah, Alex is right. There's a lot of useful things that you can get. And the few apps that like I think about, like I'm 100% sure there's like hundreds of others that other people find useful as well. Like, yeah. Well, I even use the Lightroom app on my phone sometimes. Just, oh, yeah. just, just because, why not? Sure. Yeah, I use uh, Snapseed. Um, probably the most expensive app I, I have is called um, TPE. The Photographer's uh, Ephemeris. Yes. I am a user of that tool as well. I mean, if, if you shoot astrophotography, like, you know, landscape, sunsets, early morning shoots, yeah, that, that is, it is a very cool app. The one thing it really helped me was um, when I was railway photography project mm -hmm. and I was driving all the way out to like Sarnia, um, Petrolia, etc. And it was like an early morning start. And then I had to work my way back. I really need to know if I could actually shoot where yeah. I wanted to and get the shots I want, um, especially in Sarnia. I can only go certain places around that station because everything else behind it is the massive CN yard. Mm. And I also wanted to make sure that this, the railway touched that. So yeah, fairly expensive, but yeah, it's thirty bucks. I think when I bought it, it was thirty to thirty dollars. I think yeah, I don't yeah. know what it is now. Probably fifty dollars oh, now. But for those that haven't heard, 20. oh really? Well, I, I must have overpaid. But anyway, um, for those that haven't heard of it, the Photographer's Ephemeris is essentially the Farmer's Almanac uh, for photographers. Um, but it's like not last year's Farmer's Almanac. It's like last year's and then or like 20 million years ago and 20 million years from now um it tells you the sunrise the direction the sun is going to rise the direction the moon is going to rise moon set sunset um all the times you know like all kinds of really cool information if you're a an outdoor photographer uh that would definitely help you really really cool app again not cheap not even sure how much it costs these days but um definitely definitely worth it and um you know if you shoot long exposure i use the long exposure app it, it's nothing that you can't do in your head but it just makes things easier so if you you know you calculate your you know standard exposure and then you just dial in well i want to do a uh, a 30 second long exposure it'll you know it'll calculate your your time and everything for you not that it's hard for you to do that in your own head but the nice thing is is it has a stopwatch and everything so yeah, no. reciprocity you, and the no. nicely troublesome 400. Yeah. Wow. You thought try 10 seconds, one minute. Same yeah. yeah, you're just kind of like, whoa, that's crazy. But yeah, it's incredible. Um, just I want to touch on one last thing um, as far as accessories go that we haven't talked about. And that's a set of reflectors, especially if you shoot people outdoors. Um, I used uh, two different types of reflectors. Um, I use Lastolite reflectors, which are very flexible and lightweight. They come in these round blue bags and you can just buy like, an, uh, you know, a 24, 18 or 24 inch one. Strap it on your camera bag. It's super light. If you're out shooting people and you want to direct some light to uh, brighten up a subject's face or particular area of the scene, by using available light you can do that um i really like i use the big ones when i'm shooting like weddings and outdoor portraits and stuff like that and i need you know a lot of times especially when you're shooting digital you, you know you're backlighting your subject a lot especially with weddings because the bride's all dressed in white you really can't front lighter um uh, so you know you want to backlight your subjects which means you've got to pump some some uh some light directly on them and and big reflectors are a great way to do that um 
I like the other one, the other brand, another brand called California Sun Bounce, which has a more of a rigid frame with the cloth reflector. It's a little bit easier to handle. Um, they're not cheap, but um, certainly they, and they come in different uh, ref with reflective patterns. So you can get all silver, gold and silver, different patterns, white, um, like diffusing screens. Definitely something to look into as well if you want to you know, expand your repertoire and especially shooting people outdoors. Lasolite is a brand, a really, you know, a little more budget friendly, but yeah. you definitely don't sacrifice. They also have some great uh, light modifiers, strobist. Yeah, yes, definitely. So I don't know if you count this we, as an accessory or not, but like I also also I also usually have a lens cloth on me, mostly because oh, yeah. of glasses, oh, but yeah. also it, it comes in handy a lot yes. at the most so. unexpected times. Yes. Uh, same thing oh, yeah. with uh, wet wipes and just like tissues. Yep. yep. I think I'm surprised we haven't talked about lens hoods. I consider them important. I don't leave home without them. I have um, a whole set of um, actually two sets of the um, metal HN series hoods for mm -hmm. my uh, Nikon primes for the uh, 24, the 28, and the uh, 30, 35. Mm -hmm. Those are really well built and Yep, I agree. Lens hoods. If you have a lens hood, use it. Um, if you're finding that your contrast is dropping and you're getting side flaring and stuff like that, you probably need a lens hood. Um, in a pinch, these work as great lens hoods. I'm holding up my hands, um, piece of cardboard, a hat. As, you know, you can use all of those things as as a makeshift uh, uh, lens hood. Um, you know, obviously, use a dark slump four yep. by five. There you go. Yeah, not not the handiest way to go about things, um, but they work. Cable release. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. Especially for you macro shooters out there, which you guys, if you're shooting macro, you probably already know. I had to actually electrical tape up my um, metal one because he uh, kept on slipping out. So just wrapped a little bit of electrical tape around it, good as new, because those things are getting hard to find. Yeah, they are actually. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say yeah. I lost one and now I can't find it. And I have a broken one and I'm like, uh, where the heck is my good one? And mm. I looked on Amazon and I couldn't find one on Amazon anymore. Camera yeah. shows. Camera shows. Oh, yeah, that's true. Through. True. Yes. Just, through I'll, I'll, I'll say, I'll, let me dig through my, my dad's basement. I'll see what I can find for you. will <laughs> <laughs> probably find a hundred. Wouldn't surprise me. So James, if I find one, I'll let you know. Uh, much appreciated. Well, I definitely think that wraps it up for uh, this episode. As always, my name's Alex Lokes. Get out there, stay safe, and pack up your troubles in your old kit bag. And if you don't have any troubles, well, pack a camera. Here, here. Uh, this is James Lee. Remember, the only thing that separates us from the animals is our ability to accessorize. So get out there and get some cool accessories. This is Bill Smith. Don't leave your home without a lens hood. This is Jess Hobbs. Um, I don't really have anything to end this one with. Everyone's taking all the really good stuff, but... Grab your bags, grab your cameras, grab your favorite film or digital, whatever you want to shoot with your phone. Just get out there, have lots of fun and make lots of memories. Yes, that leaves me. Uh, this is Chris and see y'all later, guys, gals and non-binary pals. Mm -hmm.